Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way Podcast. I, uh, I, I would consider myself in many ways uh, an originalist when it comes to the Constitution. And what I mean by that is, obviously, we have a very flawed history as a country, but the Constitution, when it's used properly, is a pretty damn good document for protecting inalienable rights. So, And I also am fascinated by the concept of natural law and the fact that, there, that you know, not all rights are social conditioning bias. There, there's something, and as everybody knows, I have a strong spiritual side, something spiritual about rights too. So it's with that that I introduce my guest today. I, I'm joined today by Monica Hopkins. Uh, Monica is uh, the, she's literally and figuratively a torch for liberty. She carries a torch for liberty as the head of the ACLU in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Monica and I have known each other for about a decade plus, we both used to live in Idaho. Um, years ago, we probably would have had significant political differences, but I think we might be a little bit more aligned now. Um, and so welcome, Monica. Thank you, Justin, for having me. So tell us how you got here. I mean, where are you from? How'd you get here? I mean, I, I kind of know this stuff, but others don't. Yeah. So, um, you know, I like to say that I was born uh, to a, a hippie and a um, military person. So I okay. sort of have uh, both sides um, and moved around a lot as a child. So I've lived uh, all across the country from North Carolina and and San Francisco, Idaho, Ohio, and, mm -hmm. uh, and in Texas. So I mm -hmm. spent part of my time in Texas. Uh, and I've only worked in nonprofits. I have a deep love also for our Constitution and Bill of Bill of Rights, and mm -hmm. I served for six years as the ACLU of Idaho director before taking this job nine years ago. So, for those of you who are math challenged, that's fifteen years with the ACLU. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, great. Um, yeah, the ACLU is an interesting, you know, from a organizational standpoint, it's sort of like. Um, I don't think most people know the work that y'all do. Um, I think that there's sort of the perception of either, you know, like most things in life, very binary, which is I like them or I don't like them. You know, I would put Planned Parenthood and the Southern Poverty Law Center in there and some more of your more conservative groups too, not your religious conservative groups, but, but they just don't like the Cato Institute. Most people don't heard of it, maybe don't know what it does. So, um, but the topic today is knowing your rights. And I'll tell you what sparked this. And I've wanted to talk with you for a, a while on the podcast, but what sparked this is I, I have a new, like, <laughs> uh, funny, like meme thread that I like to follow on social media on Instagram. And that is people standing up against and pushing back against unlawful, uh, arrests or unlawful cops pulling them over. And one I shared the other day was a, was a, a Latino kid who was detained by border patrol and just gave them a complete lesson in constitutional law. So I love that shit. And I think that life would be quite a bit different as citizens if we knew that. What's interesting to me, too, is um, my my partner, Virginia, as many know, is an immigrant um, studying for this U.S. citizenship test and helping her with that and helping her understand how our Constitution works made me realize, man, most of us don't have a fucking clue how it works and let alone that we know our rights. So that leads to the first question. And you're 15 years of doing this and and you know, many years caring about this, what civil liberty or right or personal freedom, however you want to say that, do most people allow to be violated out of ignorance of their rights? 
Um, I, I've been thinking about this and uh, this isn't sort of in our constitution, but I was like, what, what sort of action do people take that yeah. allows that? And so I was, I was like, oh, well, uh, not shutting up. I think is, is the biggest. So, so the real answer is, you know, the first amendment Um, Mm -hmm. and it it sort of cuts both ways that shows, you know, uh, the beauty of the ACLU is for those of you who don't know, there are actually six parts of the first amendment. And so you have the establishment clause, you can't establish religion, Mm -hmm. you have free speech and free association. And uh, so there are six parts. The speech part, Um, And, you know, that then also shutting up in the context of what you're saying of knowing Mm -hmm. your rights with Mm -hmm. police. But the free speech part is really interesting because a lot of people say, well, I have free speech to do this. And what they don't understand is that is government speech. So there has to be a state actor. And so all of these people who are actually speaking up and thinking there are no consequences to their actions should probably just think about it and be quiet and say, is the government involved here or is it my employer? Could I get fired for this? Uh, So I think that that is one. And then the ability of people to just say, I'm dealing with a government actor. I probably need to just be quiet for for a minute. For a minute. Right. Exactly. I, I, I totally agree with you on the free speech thing. There's a great feed I follow on Twitter called First Amendment. And it, and it's somebody that's an amazing feed where people, you know, it, it trolls back uh, people that use the term like my free speech is being violated. And what's interesting to me, too, is the people that bitch about it the most are the ones that most likely want to pass laws that restrict it in the first place, like actual government censorship like Ron DeSantis and yep. some people on the far left too like we have to regulate speech we don't have to regulate speech we have to regulate some intelligence maybe but it's like you said a government actor and i think the biggest one is in my experience in um someone that i cared very deeply about like personal liberty uh, is the um the lack of understanding of what what you do and do not have to tell the police if you get pulled over. For example, you do not have to tell them your name or give them your ID. It's you can say no um, unless they can ha- unless they can tell you specifically why they pulled you over. So I'm not a lawyer. Disclaimer: If they pull you over and they say I'm pulling you over for speeding, may I have your driver's license? You have to give it to them. Um, but if they pull you over and they do not tell you why, you do not have to give them your name or your driver's license. It's little things like that, that anything that I say this jokingly, but I don't trust people that, tr- that, that obey crosswalk signals, you know, like, like <laughs> I just look at the traffic and it's a yeah. sort of like anything that is its own sort of mild civil disobedience to just compliance. I'm, I'm, you know, and there, there's a boundary. We can get all like um, the, the wackadoodle Bundy, the guy in Idaho, you know, where he took that yeah. to the nth degree. Or you can go into the just to just do whatever the government tells you to do. There's you know there's a spectrum here. That's why this is called the third way. Um, yeah. But most people, they don't even know how to how to um, unless they're maybe a, a a person of color, a woman, LGBTQT person. They don't know how to even practice civil disobedience because they don't know their rights to begin with. If you're going to practice civil disobedience, you got to know your rights. I am so glad you brought that up 
you know, it, it's, it, I feel like there is historical amnesia. Yes. Um, particularly in this country um, and the desire to just sort of move forward yes. um, and say, okay, we've got to change things. And this is a really bad analogy and I probably shouldn't say it on the air, but I will. Um, <laughs> so it, it's sort of like if you want to burn down a house mm -hmm. and rebuild it, uh, you've got to know what the structure is made out of. You got to know where the weaknesses are. You've got to, you know, you've got to analyze all of that first before you burn it down or right. you could have terrible accidents. And, right. and that is like sort of changes to our system or like new laws or anything like that, because you don't want those unintended consequences. Right. And I think a lot of times we don't look back. Um, and then you said something about crosswalks. I mean, it, a friend of mine told me a story that he has a, a son with dis developmental disabilities mm -hmm. and he was driving five miles over the speed limit. And, you know, we all sort of drive a little right. bit over the speed limit and right. his son called him on it and said, you're speeding. He said, I'm, I'm only going five miles over. Police generally don't like pull it. And he said, no, right. but you are speeding. Right. <laughs> because he's very literal. Yeah, and so yes. if you think about it in that context, people are doing civil disobedience on a daily basis. Right. You don't get through basis. your day yeah. without committing some sort of civil disobedience. But if you want it on a grand level, you should probably know the structures that you are going against in order to to do it in the right way. Yeah, absolutely. I would I will put it this way. I think not knowing your rights is kind of the height of privilege you know you don't yeah. generally see especially politically active or socially social justice active in social justice women lgbt people of color not know their rights it's generally like this is my thing with with maga people and they talk about their rights being violated and, and i'm like i every time i talk to one i'm like what what of your rights is being violated um the other thing that gets me too, and I'll go into the second question, is when people say that, like during COVID, that the the government um, violated our rights, and 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 they uh, um, and that they there's now laws in place that so they can continue to do it, which is just not true. Um, maybe there was some violation of rights if if you're pretty you know squishy on that view, but the fact that. I've never been more thankful that we've had a representative republic and not a parliamentary model because we it does protect our right to free expression in a lot of different ways. It's not a debate about masks or vaccines. It's a debate about personal liberty. So, so real on those lines, going to the next question, which is which personal freedom or right, um, those are kind of interchangeable, is do you think is most under attack right now in our country? So this was a, you know, this was a little bit of a difficult one in looking at our our constitution and, and bill of rights. And I, I think there is a right that people don't understand when it comes to our personal liberties in, you know, a populace, right? right. Where we make, make rules. And that is the 14th Amendment, because the 14th Amendment allows us equal application of the law. So no matter who we are, you know, like there should be equal application right. of the law, right? So uh, even if you look at, we were talking about free speech. So if you look at Ron DeSantis, like the Woke Act, yeah, 
we all in you know public schools should have the right to a good education. I think even the Idaho State Constitution says things like that. Right. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but you know that is really at risk now because a certain group of people in various different contexts want the law or or to apply in a very specific way to everybody. And, you know, right. that starts to create a little bit of a conflict between, you know, your personal liberty and mm -hmm. fulfilling all of the other duties of, of the Constitution and Bill of Rights. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, it does. I don't know, again, if it's specific to free speech, but I think we have similar answers here as I watch you know, book bannings and, um, you know, we're going, you know, banning drag shows and all this shit. It's all a grift. I mean, I don't think anybody actually believes in this. It's just really good for fundraising and really good for people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and and her ilk um, to, to, to create this false problem in order to gain political power is gross. Um, and because it is a violation of um, like, I, like I totally hear what you're saying about the 14th amendment. And I think the other thing that is under attack right now is that, um, it's the, it's, it's not specifically in the constitution, but it's very much in the federalist papers. It's in the, it's in the kind of, it's woven into kind of the, uh, zeitgeist of the constitution is the separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. And I have been very vocal about this for years that it's the church state combo that fucks people over. It's the church state combo is the, is responsible for almost the large majorities of murders and genocides in the world over the years and, and, and um, suppressions of people and things like that. It hasn't changed. It has not changed in the sense that those motivations are still there, that there's some sort of, especially within the Christian right, this this impulse towards authoritarianism and, you know, what they call Christo-fascism, you know, which is a bit, maybe a bit pejorative, but still a something. And that to me is this constant grinding away and this constant attacking of the, of the freedom to be ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I think that that's both a social contract and I think the freedom to be yourself is largely protected by the constitution it's about personhood or indiv individual individualism yeah i think i mean you know the first amendment is first for a reason um and and i think when you look at <laughs> it feels it feels like hyperbole but it, in another way it does not feel like hyperbole to say if you look at the rise of fascism right mm -hmm. Um, it is largely attacks on what we would call the First Amendment, right? That's so correct. you have media, mm -hmm. information, Art. Uh, establishment of a national religion. So you yeah. get the Christian nationalists. Um, yes. You know, it, you and you said a thread in there. A thread in the First Amendment is also you have the right to not do stuff right so like you have the right the freedom of religion yes but you also have the freedom from right religion, right right um in there and i think yeah. that that 
it is not um it is a very astute political ploy yeah. um what you know folks like marjorie taylor green and ron DeSantis, fear is a very powerful yes. motivator for right. people and we fear what we do not understand right um and and so by by both making a gigantic deal about people being outside of the norm right. um, and then fear-basing them of they're going to take right. everything away from us and they're right. going to commit crimes and all of those things. Right. They have, they've really tapped into something powerful. Yeah. And especially when you can tie sort of ideology and theology together, it's a, it's like a double cult in a lot of ways. Um, and so when someone's, it's an identity thing. So when their identity is around some sort of ideological th theological combo, there's threats on every corner, you know, that's, and, and there's, they use phrases like slippery slope. And then what I can't think by the way, just to put it bluntly, I can't think of a single social issue that the right wingers were bloviating about that turned out to actually be true. Like where it was like, this is terrible. Like gay marriage, for example, like, oh, this is the end of it. You're, you know, it's like, come on. And I I know I'm leaning more into more right versus left here. There's plenty of I plenty of criticism for the left, far left version of violating the constitution, especially the the the, the around, you know, the it's not technically in the constitution, but the concept of personal, the pursuit of happiness and you know, self, self-governance, things like that. There's some, there's some of that. There's well, there's a and and, and I would and I would even say in the First Amendment. Yeah. Right. Like if you go way far left, there are people who fundamentally think that certain people should not be able to speak. That's correct. The yeah. Hate speech is not, you know, like, yes, we may hate certain things, yes. but and everyone, you know, that is sort of like pressing at the First Amendment on the left might say, oh, but shouldn't we do something about yes. hate speech? we would say that people have a constitutional right to hate speech. Yeah. Now it can be regulated when it comes to potential violence That's right. and, yeah. and those sorts of things. But if it's just, I'm saying hateful things and you don't right. like it. Yeah. It's still well, there. And I think it's, people don't realize too, that the constitution is based off of negative enumeration. It doesn't protect rights in the sense of it does because the rights according to the crafters of the constitution did not come from government they came from god which most of them were deists so we can use that as sort of like a, a what we would call the universe or consciousness now in modern times um and that those rights are that thus the concept of intrinsic or inalienable rights so negative enumeration basically says well what the government cannot do it doesn't was and and you know and, and I love what you said too. It also tells you what you don't have to do. Yeah. You know, you don't, there's things you don't have to do be, uh, if you don't want to, like, you don't want to go to church, don't go to church. Or as the saying was, if you don't like gay marriage, don't get gay married, you know, like that type of thing. Um, but the bigger, kind of the bigger thing here is kind of goes to the third question is that because we live in a representative Republic and we have this model of government, that's fairly unique in the world, especially for a, a G8 country. Um, I think we're the only G8 country that has a representative Republic as far as I know. Um, and we have, um, you know, the, especially related to checks and balances, representation, things like that. And we get a lot of things wrong, but we do a lot of things right too, is how do you, how do you, or how does a 
um, someone in government, let's say, but it could be anybody. How do you balance personal freedom and social policy or social good? Um, I'm really curious about your answer to that. Yeah. Um, you know, I keep the, there is a phrase every time you say representative democracy that keeps like rolling in my head, which is, you know, that Ben Franklin was asked after the, you know, Continental Congress, like, what do we have a democracy? And he said, you have, uh, you know, a republic if you can keep it. Right? Yes, right. <laughs> that's <laughs> and, right. And I get worried about that these days. Oh, right? me too. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, because because I think that is at the crux of your question mm -hmm. is there is a give and take, right, about um, how you balance these things right. and fundamentally asking the question, is this really about a governmental interest? What is mm -hmm. that governmental interest? Or is this an interest of a certain sect of people with a certain sect of beliefs, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think how you, it's funny, you said, don't get gay married. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that that is one of the questions, but mm -hmm. What is the governmental interest writ large of specific things? Mm -hmm. um, and I think what people don't do is they enter into these arguments without thinking about the other side of the coin. Right. Right. So a lot of the things that people are pushing at that time probably hasn't happened to them yes. or affected them, <laughs> yes, but they yes. just know that it yes. should apply to everybody else. Now it may have happened to them and that may be solidifying them in that, in, mm -hmm. in their position. Um, but it goes back to sort of like, what is that governmental interest here right. and how much government do we actually want to have? That's right. Yes. And that's where, people accuse me of becoming some sort of woke liberal. And I'm like, man, that's not, it's just not true. I'm, I, I have, I'm, I'm vocally and will ever forever be anti-MAGA. That's for sure. And I don't really even like a lot of the progressive political or progressive economic issues. But to me, it's, it's about that. It's about the, the, the role of government in our lives. And the, the, the regulation of that government is our responsibility you know, I think it also was Ben Franklin, maybe Thomas Jefferson that said we get the government we deserve. And so, you know, we have issues like corporatism, this idea that corporations can give money to political candidates and campaigns and super PACs, but they can't be taxed, which is some bullshit right there, in my opinion. You know, if you want to have a if you want to give money to a politician, you should also be taxed. Uh, there's corporatism and and some of the stuff with the, you know, the Soros, George Soros or the Koch brothers or, you know, various sort of billionaires on both sides of the spec political spectrum that's all at play but we do have a mechanism in place that does protect that does protect individual rights with public policy and that is the representative model including the 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 uh amendments to the constitution which we haven't had since 1970 something i think and it was sort of a minor thing um and i love what gavin newsom is doing with um gunning for or trying to pun intended a constitutional amendment related to gun violence 
and you know the proper regulation of the kind of guns that can you know create mass killings like we've seen you know to the point now where the and i'm a gun owner so i say this to the point now where the number one cause of death for kids in the united states is guns uh, surpassing car accidents and cancer which is fucked up but because of the constitution to a large extent and the influence of the nra it's going to take a constitutional amendment will he we get it i don't know i don't believe we live in this and I don't believe that we have a political divide as much as we have a reality divide. And I think that there are people that on the far left that live in cities that do not understand rural Americans being a former rural American. I see that a lot. And I sure as hell see rural and white Americans who do not understand really anything about social justice, unless they're the ones being affected in their opinion or their, their viewpoint. So, you know, it's supposed to be messy. I, I heard that, you know, this is an overused metaphor of an ecosystem, but it is an ecosystem, which means it's cleansing, it's self-cleansing, which means there's going to be some gross stuff and some hurricanes and some fires in a, in a representative republic that allow us to adjust. The threat to that, when you talk about if we have a republic and we keep it, the threat to that is when we deny reality, which is what you see happening, especially on the far right. Looping back, and I'll shut up and give you the last thought yeah. here. <laughs> looping back to the 14th amendment it would be delicious irony because i do believe that this is the case if any of this trump shit ever goes to the supreme court if they have i don't trust clarence thomas with anything but anybody else on there even the right wingers to look at the 14th amendment and tell me under equal process of the law how can this man be president of the united states legally he cannot in my opinion based on the 14th amendment and also a lot of conservative constitutional scholars have banded together to say basically the same thing. And I would find it, it would be beautiful to have all this shit get prosecuted under the law. But if it gets to the Supreme court and we use the constitution to beat this guy, that would be glorious. Well, I mean, I would be remiss as the executive director of the ACLU of the (laughs) district of Columbia that houses over 700,000 residents without any vote in Congress. Without any representation. So also some bullshit. Yes, yes, yes. That, that we do think that it's, you know, irony that uh, a jury of 12 D.C. residents will be the ones with no yes. representation to make a decision yes. in a case, you know. Uh, yes. and, um, and we're recording this on the 20th of August. I think it's the 20th or 21st. But there's another indictment coming down the pike. I don't know if yep. you saw that breaking news. Another one coming from from in the DC court in the in DC for in DC. another um, documents violation. That there is some poetic justice to that. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And anyway. Well, well I, yeah, I do think. I mean, it, I'm not even going to try to remember this Martin Luther King quote. But as you were as you were talking, you know, we're all connected. And if you pull mm-hmm. sort of on on mm-hmm. on one, you, it moves. We all move together. Mm-hmm. And so it is incumbent upon us to almost move us back to the middle, right? Yes. And and it's going to be uncomfortable for everyone that and messy and yeah. that we agreed upon this. We agreed yes. upon, we understand a republic and a representative democracy with different ideas if we want freedom of thought, if we want freedom of ideas, if we want to be innovative and all of those things in a modern world, it is yeah. incumbent upon us to um, ensure that we protect these rights, right. that they apply to everybody, and yeah. 
that we challenge when people right, left, center, whatever, right. want to shut them down. And and to me, it's it, it, it's the line. I do not believe in it's a longer rant for another time, but I do not believe in that that all ideas have merit. Like if you're a flat earther <laughs> or you're Robert Kennedy Jr., I don't think your ideas are worth a shit. And I don't have to, you know, if you want to talk, talk. I don't want that regulated, but it's also not, you know, it's when you don't give someone's stupid opinions equal merit, it does not mean you violated their their freedom of speech or whatever. Um, and and so this this idea that that we are we get to decide the future. And it, this is a quote that was attributed to Martin Luther King Jr. He didn't say it. He was quoting it when he said it, which is the arc of time is long, but always bends towards justice. He, um, our job as citizens is to bend the arc towards justice. That's our job. And it could be a unifier. It could be a unifier to say, if you, if the, and for me, the line is, if you're dehumanizing someone, if you are reducing who they are in the name of government or safety or security or whatever the reasons for it, then, then I got a problem with that. And so, yeah. I think, I think what you're saying, Justin, is like, we need to step back from the maximalism. Yes. And assuming, you know, all things for one group of people, I think that's what gets us away from really leaning in and saying, okay, what, what are the values here? Because I right. I do think when we get to those things, right. how we get there might be different, but ultimately we do value some of the, the same things. And I think that right. might get also to the balancing question. Yes. Right. Um, that- but it takes rational people that disagree. You know, it's like I say, you, you have to be able to agree on the problem. If you can't yeah. agree on the problem, then what are we talking about? You know, if you, if we, if it's about, let's say, um, systemic racism, or it's about violations of free speech or whatever it is. If we can't agree on the problem, we then can have a policy discussion. But there's a morality in my view that where policy ends, policy discussions end because it ultimately comes down to values and character, not policy. So as expected, super fascinating. Um, it, was, it was great to have this conversation with you and um, I'll link to your stuff and the ACLU's website uh, in the show notes. And thanks for the vigorous conversation and the shot of espresso. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, thank you for having me. This is just, just wonderful. <laughs>